Support for the Quite Unusual Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate hygiene bundle for the man in your life, the Performance Package. Help him join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code QUITEUNUSUAL at manscaped.com. Manscaped has everything you need to get your sweaty, hairy balls gross and bush under control. It's not just for men, it's for everyone. It's time to take care of the hairy people in your life. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with code QUITEUNUSUAL. That's right, 20% off and free shipping if you use the code QUITEUNUSUAL at manscaped.com. Get those hairy balls and bush under control with Manscaped. Whoa, how how did you do that? I don't know, it just came out of me. Quite unusual. Do you ever just mock it in your head when you hear I it? I do it every single time. Do you? I also like do it my head to it too. I'm like, ding, ding. It's true. I see you. See your head, Bob. Hello, and welcome to the Quite Unusual Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Noelle. I am Nicole. And we're hosting a podcast today that's a thing we are doing we um are. happy uh hope everyone had a happy halloween actually i was gonna say happy post halloween but post halloween is never happy because halloween's over i have the post halloween blues mm. but happy day of the dead very true and i mean also if you think about it halloween marks like the time of just like the best time of the fucking year yeah because then we got Thanksgiving, which I cannot wait for a Thanksgiving meal. If I don't eat three (laughs) pounds of stuffing. I've been craving stuffing so bad. And hot take. Here's a hot take. Green bean casserole is my favorite side. It's a really good side. That's not a hot take. It's amazing. Green bean casserole is amazing. I'm a stuffing girly. I like stuffing too. I don't want the meat in the stuffing though. I don't want that. I want like apples, pecans, weird shit. Oh, I don't, I don't, I want savory shit, but not like the meat, but I want my stuffing savory. Well, yeah, it has to be savory, but it's got to have like the accoutrement in there. (laughs) I want it. I like it. It's my favorite. It might be one of my favorite foods of all time. Oh, I know. And then we've got Christmas and New Year's. And then our birthdays also is what you miss. And then our birthday, well, my birthday's in December. Yours is in February. Yes. But then after your birthday, it's just like a lull. That's when shit gets weird. Well, then it's and Valentine's Feb- Day. February feels like it's like three months long. And then you're just waiting for that like one little speck that spring might be coming. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's never going to come. But then eventually it does. And then it's summer. And then, uh, and then we do then it all I, again, baby. And then I can't find the right deodorant to keep my sweaty armpits <laughs> in check. <laughs> Part of a bit of information that I don't think our listeners need to hear. Everyone understands sure. this, Nicole. It's a struggle to find a natural deodorant that actually works. That's true. This is the every man struggle that I'm introducing on the uh, show. I'm right on now. that that dove doves men. 
Dovlin Fox, dude. That's the only <laughs> deodorant. Uh, yeah. The natural de- aluminum free. That's the only one that actually works. And it's only the men's. The women's can't Doesn't do. Work. Doesn't work. Has to be the men's one. I got m- man pits, I guess. My I don't sister, know. My sister-in-law turned us on to that. Yeah. So. Shout out to you. Shout out. Sweaty pit sister. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to love that. Oh. All right. So I got to say something right now. Mm-hmm. I have been chomping at the bit. I've been jonesing. I've been salivating mm. for this episode. Are, are those? Are you sure those are the words you want to use to describe <laughs> this episode? Yeah, I'd like to actually reel that back. Do we have a record scratch uh, on here? We do. We should. Shit. We gotta figure. Reel it mm. back. I've been very excited to be informed um, by your excellent research oh. that will happen oh, in this. Yeah, well, this episode for only for um, only for the purposes of uh, documenting history mm. and um, just just admiring your strength to get through this research. You're admiring my strength. I am. Oh. I made you this small trophy that looks like a pencil shaving, <laughs> but it's not. It's oh a little gosh. crown. It is a crown. It's a tiny crown <laughs> to put on your computer. Thank you so much. Does this mean I'm the queen of? Nar research, yeah. <laughs> Nar research. There, she did it, people. She actually it's just put my, it. It's it's a part of me now. It's really nice. Uh, well, yeah, I'm glad that you said that because I'm. I wanted to start off this intro by saying that this episode is gonna be pretty gnar. And if you have a weak stomach, maybe skip it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the title should say it all. Like, that's basically what this is going to be about. But this is a really heavy one. So trigger warning for some. Also, I just want to preface this by saying that this man is deeply, deeply disturbed. Yes. Like, very, very, very disturbing. And I have to say that this is probably the most fucked up thing I have researched for this podcast. I know. Yet. I'm so excited. It's going to be a good one. And I think the reason, because, like, obviously, when I do my research, I do, like, online. I try to go with documentaries. I try to look at other podcasts who have done it. There are not many podcasts. Like, the the bigger ones that you would think Mm -hmm. have not done this topic. And I think it's probably because it's just so terrible. (laughs) No one wants to do it. But I committed to it, so here we are. Thank you. Thank you for hunting for our family. (laughs) I hunted and I gathered this information. It wasn't fun. It was hard to get through. But you did it. And this is a heavy, heavy hitter. I did it. Again, like Nicole said, if you're squeamish, uh, we're not judging here, man. This is going to be a rough one. So if you get part of way through this and you're like, I can't do it, go and listen I'll, to yeah. Kenny G or something. That'll soothe your soul. <laughs> Josh Groban. Are you a Grobanite? We are a, <laughs> we are a family of Grobanites. Our podcast is a Grobanite. We're a pro-Groban podcast. We follow Josh Groban on Instagram just because we think it's funny <laughs> and we like his shit. But I don't know. I feel like one day, mm-hmm. one day, hell no. We're pro-Groban. pro grow. We're pro grow. It's a pro grow <laughs> pod right here. Hashtag pro grow. Uh, okay. All right, let's. So, shall we start? Let's do it. The Kobe Cannibal. This one is dedicated to Josh Groban. <laughs> this one goes out to Josh Groban. We know he loves his Kobe beef, so maybe he'll enjoy this story about the Kobe Cannibal. Mm. He's gonna love that. He's 
he ever knows. He's probably never gonna ever. He definitely hear listens. This. Josh Groban definitely listens. So all right, just it's dedicated to you. <laughs> all right, so our story starts with a man named Issei Sagawa, also known as the Kobe Cannibal. He was born on April 26, 1949, in Kobe, Hyogo Prefecture. Also, just want to say there's a lot of Japanese words in here, so please don't yell at me for saying them wrong. I tried my best. She only speaks fluent Mandarin. She does not speak fluent <laughs> Japanese. Please give her yeah, a break. Yeah, give me a break, okay? I tried to do the pronounce thing, but... Um, also, April 26th, what is it, a Taurus? Oh, that would explain a lot. He was born to a wealthy businessman named Akira Sagawa, who was the president of Kirita Water Industries. And his grandfather was an editor at the Japanese newspaper, the Asai Shimbun. Yeah. <laughs> Issei was born prematurely, and he was apparently so tiny that he could fit into the palm of his father's hand. What if his dad had freakishly large hands? Well, then I guess he wasn't that tiny. <laughs> we'll never know. We d- we'll never know. I need to see him hold a regular-sized baby with those hands. It's never, it hasn't been done. I'm sorry. He passed away. We can never, we'll is, never know. It's one of the mysteries of the world. <laughs> Doctors actually didn't think that he would survive because he was so small and weak. And then even after he was born, he soon got sick with enteritis and had to get shots of potassium and calcium and saline. And what is enteritis, Nicole? Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad you asked that because I... I I'm about to tell you. Enteritis is when your small intestine gets inflamed and is usually caught is usually caused by a viral or bacterial infection. Oh, that's sad. Issei grew up very small and fragile, and he was also very shy and introverted, but he found comfort in books and literature. Issei describes himself as being physically weak from the moment he was born stating that his legs were so skinny as a child that they looked like pencils. Okay, so something's happening right now where I feel bad for this man. Don't. Don't do it. And I know in four minutes it's going to flip so hard that I'm going to hate him deeply. No, yeah, you do not. Do not feel, no one ever, no one listening to this feel bad for this man at any point in this, okay? I like episodes like this because we get to make fun of the bad people. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, but at this moment, I'm feeling bad for tiny don't, baby Issei. Don't. Maybe small, tiny. When he's a little baby. Palm in, his, in his father's hand. <laughs> but yeah, we, we're not feeling sorry for this man, okay? Trust me. Just trust me on this one. I trust you. He studied in schools in Kamakura, Kanagawa Prefecture and developed his cannibalistic desires from a very, very young age. Oh. We're talking first grade here. Oh, fuck this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Skinny little pencil-legged cannibal. Wow. First grade. That's so interesting. Yeah. In an interview, Issei describes what it was like when the urges first came. He said, and quote, It was in first grade of elementary school when I saw the quivering meat on a male classmate's thighs. And I suddenly thought, hmm. That looks delicious. I'm going to scream. (laughs) But then he quickly follows that quote by saying, but I'm not homosexual. Oh, oh, okay. So like, he wants to eat men, but also no homo. So like whatever, like you ate an actual person. I think 
being gay is the least of your worries at this point. Oh, no, no, no. I would never be gay. That's that's disgusting. But I would eat a human being. <laughs> yes, that is say. fine. That's fine. That's uh, absolutely. That's what I'm into. Not in a gay way, though. No, like, no. Like, I'll, I'll eat a dick, but not in a gay way. <laughs> not, just like with ketchup on a hot dog bun. Not in but a gay. But it's not gay. It's not gay. It's not gay. It's not gay, you guys. <laughs> Guys, I am straight for man meat. You know, that's how it works. Straight for we need that on a t-shirt. T-shirt straight for man meat. It's coming. I'm gonna put it out during Pride Month. It's coming to our Teespring near you. To our Teespring near you. <laughs> he then goes on to prove even further that he is in fact a heterosexual, which is something you should have to prove <laughs> if you're definitely okay. Yeah. All right. So he does this by drilling down the fact that when he was in junior high, he became obsessed with the Western actress Grace Kelly. I'm going to let you finish and then say (laughs) something very important about gay culture. And that his obsession with her lasted throughout high school as well. And I mean, I don't know, but that sounds kind of gay to me. The thing about gay people (laughs) as... As the expert in the room here. As our resident gay. As our resident gay. Is that, uh, have you heard of Lady Gaga? Yes, I have. <laughs> Wait. Have you heard of Jessie Ware? Yes. There's, you know, like, there's this thing where you can pick a beautiful, stunning, important, mm-hmm. like, stylish woman and be upset, or person, whatever, of any gender, and be deeply, deeply obsessed with them. Yeah. That does not mean that you are straight. <laughs> like, that is not... Well, I don't know. To him, it does. So... He's like, look, okay. Oh, no. Do I munch on a dick now and then? Yeah, obviously. But have you seen Grace Kelly? Stunning. Stunning. I mean, hot. I mean, I would really like to turn her around and get into there. Braid her hair. <laughs> That's not, this isn't convincing me no, at all, No, sir. it's absolutely not. It's doing the opposite, actually. <laughs> Grace Kelly is, like, one of the most stunning women on the planet. Yeah. And she's, like, an actual princess. She transcends sexuality. Like, she, yes. She, everyone is attracted to her. So, that's, that's like being, like, <laughs> I don't know. That's like saying, like, you love God. That doesn't make you gay or straight, dude. Right. It's just, yeah, Grace Kelly is my God. That's how that works. Exactly, but. I don't know. Anyways, whatever. Anyways, I got too far into this, but he's I was not just, gay. sure. If that's how, <laughs> if that's what he wants to say, fine. I will say though, he is really he is obsessive with women though as well. Because he wants to fucking eat them. But I think he's just like overall a pervert. Like it's it has nothing to do with men or women. But like yeah. he doesn't want to be gay. I don't know. It's fine. It's it happens a lot. It's internalized cool for him to be homophobia. a cannibal, but <laughs> being gay is the worst thing he could do. It's I don't the worst know. thing he could ever think of. Cool. He, he states that this obsession was what opened the door for his obsession with tall, healthy-looking Western women, and that his cannibalistic desires started to re- revolve around Western women. Oh, so we're safe. We're neither tall nor healthy-looking, so we're good. <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we, he wouldn't want to cannibalize us. It's like he's only looking for tall, beautiful, <laughs> stunning, ideal weight. Women. <laughs> elegant women, just not yeah, us. Not us. Just cut. 
like cut to us with our mouths open eating Doritos <laughs> like we did for breakfast this morning. It's true. We both ate Doritos <laughs> for breakfast. It's not even a lie. Not even a lie. Nope. He claims that this is because he was the opposite of these women, which like same. I don't know. <laughs> but so because he was short and ugly and those are his words, not mine, but also facts. He continued to fantasize about Western women into his adult life. And he even wrote a book about it called Extremely Intimate Fantasies of Beautiful Girls. Okay. And that title is obviously translated, but I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to pronounce it in the Japanese title because it's just, I I can't, I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, I'm looking at a picture of this man. Yeah, he's wow, very tiny and ugly. He, when he says because he was short and ugly, that's why he was attracted to these women. He is, in fact, short and ugly. Like, he he calls it like he sees it, and that is the correct... Like he sees it in the mirror. Description. I'm going to say, though, first of all, he is so, so little. He is. He literally has the body of, like, a 12-year-old He's like boy. a little fairy of a person. Like, he's, like, so teeny tiny. And he was a fairy. He's not a regular cannibal. <laughs> he was a fairy. He has a fucking deep comb over too yeah. that's mm-hmm. impressive yeah but this entire book that he wrote is about famous women like audrey hepburn grace kelly julie delphi in which he also just like it's like a book of him just he drew them like it's a book of illustrations of beautiful women oh which is fine and normal i guess <laughs> okay i tried to find it online I don't know if they're selling it or if you need to go like the dark web to find it. Anyways, he claims that he wrote it. So, end quote, people would at least stop thinking of me as a monster. Uh, oh, I'm not okay. sure where the logic is there, but you're okay. not you're not fighting the monster allegations, sir. I promise <laughs> you're not. I'm not that bad of a cannibal. Here, look at this book in which I just draw pictures of beautiful women. And then wrote what I would think their meat would taste delicious with. A nice Chianti, perhaps. Oh, his cannibal urges started with just a strong fantasy of wanting to bite his victims. And at first, he claims that he wasn't fantasizing about killing or even really eating them at that point. He just wanted to gnaw on their flesh. That's in quotes. You got to say quotes when you say weird shit like that, man. <laughs> he just you wanted just do to do the air quotes. Oh, That's right. You guys can't see me. No, this is a- All right. This is a quote from him. He just wanted to gnaw on their flesh. Gnaw. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's what he says. I don't know if I believe that, but. And he believes that this urge was driven solely from a sexual place. Just, it was a sexual desire that he just wanted to gnaw on flesh. He calls it his sexual appetite. Oh. Wait, where's... <laughs> because every time he was hungry, he wasn't craving women meat. He said it was actually after he had eaten a full meal that he had had cravings for humans. Uh, well, you know what? I like a little dessert after I eat dinner. It's who doesn't? I like to gnaw on a little chocolate bar. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. He, I'm not excusing this. But yeah. I mean, to him, I guess. I guess it's the same thing. All right. I'm going to read this quote from him um, from a Vice article from 2009. And it starts like this. 
It was purely a form of sexual desire. It wasn't like I felt like eating someone every time I was hungry. But you know how you tend to feel a strong sexual desire when you've eaten a full meal? No. (laughs) Right? That's when I would start feeling the urge to eat a girl. It's absurd, right? (laughs) In essence, it's different from the type of hunger that people experience for food. The cannibalistic urge, where I'm going, I want to eat human meat, is a sort of sexual appetite. So if I don't make sure that I ejaculate frequently enough, the desire only gets stronger and stronger. All right. Um, so let's just unpack this for a hot minute. I would love to. I got 15 minutes to talk about this one quote, man. Let's go. So he feels a sexual urge after he's eaten a full meal. I'm going to stop right there. Yeah, I think we should pause there really, (laughs) really hard for a second. I don't know about you, but after I've eaten a full meal, all I want to do is unbutton my pants just lay down for a while. I simply do not want to be touched. No. I want <laughs> I don't want anyone to see me. I want to nap. Yes. I want to gorge myself in the privacy of my own home yes. and then I want to watch TV. Mm-hmm. That's what I want, man. And then probably fall asleep. Yeah, on the couch and then you wake up and you're like, why are there crumbs on my shirt? <laughs> oh, I was still eating. That was Where a am I? <laughs> so no, I don't get that. You know like when you stuff yourself to the point where you're throwing up in your mouth a little bit and then you just like you know, want a little afternoon delight? No, I no, don't. I like, don't. You say thank you, though. Thank you for right. asking. <laughs> okay, then he says. <laughs> Wait, no, you're going to miss a really important part I want to talk about here. Oh, okay. That's when I would start feeling the urge to eat a girl. It's absurd, right? See, this is making little fucking jokes. He, okay, so that's the this problem. Is a funny guy? Yeah, I mean, we'll f- find out later on. But, like, his whole, I guess, um point of view about what happened is just like insane like dark humor kind of it's like like he ate someone but like as a bit he's like (laughs) a cannibal like as a bit it's it's he's a lesson in the taking the bit too far actually yeah like he committed too hard too hard too hard to it yeah okay so then he says that he needed to ejaculate frequently to curb his desire to eat people i don't like that at all I mean, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but I am going to yuck this yum because that's fucked. Yuck. I'm going to yuck this. This is this is unsettling. It's very unsettling. I don't like it. Mm. I don't like it. But it has nothing to do with his upbringing because he himself describes his childhood as the best time of his life. He says his parents were very loving. He was raised surrounded by nature The only thing that he thinks could be part of the reason why he has these weird urges is that sex was taboo in his house growing up and his parents never talked about it. But I'm going to say that's probably a lot of parents that do that (laughs) and have done that. And it doesn't make people want to eat other people. So Yeah, dude. It's not like I'm like at my mom's house pouring myself a cup of coffee and she's like, you know when you're fucking a guy? No. No one does that. Wait, your mom doesn't do that? No. Does your mom do that? No. No. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I was just asking. No. That would be super weird. No one's... No. For sure. I don't think that... I think there was a lot of other things going on here, man. Yeah. I don't... He, according to him, his childhood was fine, though. So... Probably. But, it's, you know, he's just he was just born with this. I don't know. But OK, so he does say and this is kind of fucked up for the dog lovers in the room. 
All right. Skip forward 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this. It's not that bad. But when he had his, he says when he had his first erection as a boy, he didn't know what was happening to him because nobody ever told him. Mm -hmm. His parents didn't talk about it. I guess his school also didn't. I mean, it was a carry situation. It was, yeah, it was way back when. So maybe they weren't even doing sex ed in Japan at this time. So he says when he had his first erection, he didn't know what was happening. He thought he was sick and he was just extremely embarrassed by it. And in this same Vice interview that he did, he tells the camera. So there's two. There's an article that Vice has, and then there's also, like, a little mini documentary where they, like, interview him. Okay. Both are extremely messed up. Watching him talk about this is very unsettling. Really? Yeah, I'll just say that. It's It, like, sends shivers down your spine. Okay, I'll post a clip of it. I'll try to find a clip. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. Um, but anyways, in this... This video that they, this interview video that they have, he tells the cameraman that he didn't know what to do with his erection. So he had his dog lick it. Oh, (laughs) that feels like the last thing you would do. Yeah, which he says is what he believes caused his sexual desires to become so distorted. Yeah. Which is really fucked up. I don't, that poor dog. I know. But I mean, the dog is probably just like, what is this? You know? Like, the dog didn't know. Yeah. Because, I, I, I don't know. I uh, hope that was, I hope that was just it of what he did with this dog. I almost feel like he would say if it was something more. I think he would. Like, he's he's like, very honest in all yeah. of his interviews. He's just very extremely honest and like, this is what it is right. type of thing. So, yeah. So that's what he blames his sexual distortion. Don't blame the dog. Don't blame Don't blame the dog. The dog. Issei attended Waco University. Waco? One of them. Waco? I don't know. I say Waco because we know Waco. University in Tokyo. And it was here at college that he finally decided to act on his fantasies for the first time. He saw a tall German woman who he found attractive and decided to follow her home with the intent of cannibalizing her. No. Mm-hmm. She's just minding her own German business. So this was in 1970. His plan was to sneak into her ground floor apartment, slice off part of her butt, uh, and then take another small portion of her body for later. Without her noticing. <laughs> Issei managed to that's break. A, that's a really basic. He should have had more of a plan. Well, you'll find that he really doesn't ever have a plan. Okay. For all right. anything. All right. <laughs> like, it's, he's just vibing, man. He's like, here's, the, here's what we do. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be so easy. Three-step plan. So he managed to break into her apartment where he found the woman asleep naked in her bed. His plan was to hit her on the head with an, an umbrella um, and knock her out. Okay. <laughs> Which... Sure. Have you seen a picture of this man? He's so small. He doesn't have the force. I'm going to look up how tall he is. He's and also, so... an umbrella. Like, I feel like if he if it actually like got to that umbrella. point, he'd probably like hit her and she'd be like, Oh, what the fuck? Hey, can you not? <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> so that was his plan. And then he, so he was going to knock her out. Then he was going to get a knife from her kitchen and cut into her butt and eat it. And then, I guess, save some for later. I don't know. I have his height. How tall is he? 4'9". 
Yep. <laughs> probably like four nine, a hundred and five pounds. There's there's like a picture of him walking with like a lawyer or something, and it looks like this lawyer is taking their child he to looks, school. He looks like a, a twelve year old boy. He it, does. Just put that in your head. And he had his little umbrella. He floated there <laughs> on a leaf, and then. He, he with was, his little acorn hat that he flipped off before he, <laughs> with his little umbrella and yeah okay he All right. probably like lived in a boot or something too i don't know he for sure lived in a boot <laughs> he was that's that small true. he was so small he lived in a boot so he, that's his plan however when he crept by her bed his knees accidentally brushed her side and she immediately woke up. She's like, what are those tiny knees doing brushing me? <laughs> oh, little boy, are you lost? Oh, this is so fucked up. <laughs> so she was able to fight him off because he was a very, very tiny man. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the size of a 12-year-old boy. But we're not feeling sorry for him. We're He's a psycho. We're, we're making fun of him. We're making fun of the man that will go on to eat a human yeah. being. Okay, so, so no that's what here. we're doing. That's what we're going to do. We're not here. making fun of our short kings. You know we love you. Yeah. You were not. We we're making you. fun of this specific, the world's smallest cannibal. <laughs> yes. That's who we're making fun of. <laughs> okay. But so, and it's also kind of fucked up because he also uses, he uses his size as an excuse for why he does what he does. Or I guess did what he did. Because he's so little and he just wanted to have a tall, beautiful woman. Like, grow up. I'm just a little baby. Can I just take a little bite out of your butt? I'm, I can't pay you in blocks. I'm just a little baby. It's all I want to do. Just be a little cannibal baby. Right. Anyways, so she wakes up. Pushes, Can I have some human flesh? She pushes his brittle little body to the ground. Jesus And calls the police. And he's arrested for attempted rape. Yeah. Good. As he should be. Good. But the police obviously don't know his true intentions, which he wasn't there to rape her. He actually wanted to eat her. So that's a parallel move. I don't okay. know what's worse. The woman was apparently paid a settlement by Issei's rich father, and the charges of attempted rape were eventually dropped. So he's off his record. They're dropped. Daddy, da- daddy, daddy came to save the day. But daddy, I just wanted to eat a little bit of a butt. <laughs> Issei would go on to get his master's degree in English literature literature from Kwanzai Gakuin University in Tokyo. From that point, he continued on with his studies, and he left Tokyo and moved to Paris, France, to study for his PhD in comparative literature at Sorbonne University in 1977, and he was 28 years old. And this is where things get messed up, okay? So hold on to your butts. Or a very tiny man might try to eat them. (laughs) Also, I do know this story. I thought I didn't, but I do know this story. Okay, so this is exciting. I'm excited. Where are you? I yeah, because now I know where this is going, and this is a really it's a really fucked up story. It is. It is. So at this point in Issei's life, he was obsessed with cannibalism. He fantasized about it and was very serious about actually needing to do it. For Issei, cannibalism went hand in hand with his sexual desires. It wasn't curiosity. It was directly related to sex for him. He was just a sick little freak. 
And when he was living in Paris, he would bring home a sex worker almost every night. So he was like an incel, but for cannibalism. Yeah. And he was this entire time, remember, his dad is extremely rich. So his dad was paying for him to live in Paris, study, whatever. So he's got money. Okay. So when people were like, oh, Issei, why are you going to Paris? And he goes, for the food. (laughs) Well, he was, he did go to study for his PhD. He was studying there. So each night he would attempt to shoot them from behind the sex workers that he would pick up to enact his cannibalism plan. But with, every, with a gun? Yes. Oh. But every night he froze and he was unable to do so. And as time went on with each failed attempt, he became more and more obsessed with his idea. He needed, in his mind, he needed to do it. And in his brain, he had what he called a ritual. So he needed to complete this ritual, which was him killing and eating a woman. That is super fucked up, dude. Yeah. During this time, Issei took a luxury boat ride. And I don't have any details to where or what it was about, but he sat at a dinner table. He was sat at a dinner table with a butcher and his wife. Oh. And he... Just so happened. Isn't that the coincidence, like, of of that happening? Of course. So he spoke with this butcher, and the butcher told him how to butcher meat. And after this whole thing, he later went on to write a thank you note to the butcher after the murder. (gasps) But the man never responded, obviously. Wow. That's how this guy is. He's fucked in the head. Like, he, he is not okay. He does not think like a normal person. It's imagine receiving that letter. Yeah. Like that's like, what are you, what the fuck do you do? I wonder, you don't have the letter, right? We don't have it. No. I wonder Mm -mm. if he was like, oh, I used your techniques to murder a woman. Or if he was like, oh, I used your technique. Um, I was, you know, breaking down an ant, like a carcass. And he probably was vague enough about it where he wasn't like. No, I would say knowing what I know, doing the research about this man, yeah. he probably in detail described what he did and how <gasps> he did and like thanked this man for it. Oh, fuck. He is. He, this guy is. I mean, I'm going to say that boy ain't right. <laughs> that boy ain't right. <laughs> That's the only way to describe him, actually. But I don't know if this like interaction with the butcher gave him confidence because he would soon meet a woman who he would finally enact this evil plan on. I feel like it gave him like the, like he had like a mental block of like, well, what do I do? Mm -hmm. How do I get meat off of a bone? He had a plan now. And now that he knows how to do this, he's like, yeah, it's going to be easy. So this woman would be his classmate and Dutch student, Renee Hartveldt who was just 25 years old at the time, and Issei was 32. Disgusting age. All of the French women that Issei had met while studying in Paris were what he described as beautiful, but so stuck up and out of his league, and they just never gave him the time of day. Uh, Which, I mean, if you're a weird little freak, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, hi, I'm Issei. I'm 4'9", and also I really want to bite your toes off. Like, <laughs> oh. constantly staring at your ass. Oh, no, thank you. I mean, he is, like, ass height, so, like, that worked <laughs> for him. Renee, on the other hand, was very sweet and friendly, 
and she was Jewish and also sort of an outcast like Issei in France, so he felt a special connection with her. Uh-oh. And they soon became friends. Mm. Renee was very beautiful, so beautiful that Issei drew a sketch of her because he said that he didn't want to continue to stare at her beauty and be weird, so he drew a picture of her so he could just stare at the picture of her instead. I mean, I guess <laughs> that's a... he's. He's realizing that that's a social norm he is breaking. Just that yeah, I mean, there's that. But. Staring at her with unblinking eyes <laughs> for some reason. Well, this oh, this poor woman. Yeah. So Issei invited Renee over for a sukiyaki or a hot pot party. It was just the two of them at his apartment. And at first, Issei didn't have any intention of killing Renee. Mm. So he says, because she was his friend. I mean, she wasn't just. A sex worker he picked up. <gasps> the sex workers he picked up were less human to him than people he actually knew. This is a trend we see all of the time. Yeah. They literally are called the less, less dead. Yeah. Because people assume that sex workers or like, you know, travelers or whatever are not going to be missed by anyone. Mm -hmm. But Renee is beautiful. She's tall. She's Dutch. She's interesting. She's nice to him. He knows her. So he's going to assume that other people like her too. And he's viewing her as a real human being, whereas yeah. these sex workers, he is not. Well, because, yeah, with the sex workers, it was just there it was one thing. Like with her, he actually knew her, knew some of her likes or dislikes. Like a vending machine. Mm -hmm. Disgusting. But so she's at his house for this hot pot party and he has no intention of trying to eat her. But he says when she got up to wash her hands in the bathroom, it reminded him of when the sex workers he brought home would go to the bathroom and wash up after sex. And then something clicked in his head and he just automatically thought Renee was perfect for his ritual. Oh, so that one action that she did just like. Fucked. Flipped and reversed everything Shit. for him. And he was like, she's the one. It triggered, yeah. Something, it triggered like a weird mm -hmm. feral instinct. Yeah. Renee and Issei hung out several more times as friends because she spoke German and they were hanging, kind of hanging out under the guise that she was teaching him how to speak German. So every time she came over to his apartment, he fantasized about killing her and cannibalizing her. He even pointed the gun at the back of her head several times, but still could not muster up the strength to pull the trigger. An employee of Issei's father was visiting Paris, and he and Issei met up and went to a Japanese restaurant, and Issei was feeling sick that day. He had a fever, and he said he was kind of feeling, like, delusional, off, whatever. Oh, yeah, I'm super, super sick, but yeah, we can go eat next to each other. <laughs> right. That's the yeah, layout. Let's do that. Do you want to go out to get something to eat? Um, I will probably vomit because I don't feel well. But yeah, we can go for sure. <laughs> Should we sit across from each other so I can breathe directly into your mouth? Can you actually, yeah, could you like, if you do vomit, projectile onto my plate? Yeah, for sure. Do you want me to feed you like a baby bird? Like, yeah, I'll just open. Okay, perfect, perfect. But he says that the entire meal, all he could think about was how Renee was coming over to his house the next day. And he was running through scenarios in his head like, what if I'm still sick and I can't complete the ritual? Or what if I eat raw fish here and I get sick from that and I can't complete the ritual tomorrow? So he's like obsessing about this ritual in his head while he's at dinner. And he was obsessing over the fact that he might not be able to complete his fantasy tomorrow. 
And this was a fantasy that he had been dreaming of for 32 years now. And yeah. that his obsession there in that restaurant just solidified his decision that tomorrow would be the day he was finally going to go through with it. That's so messed up. So the next day, Renee comes over. As her back is turned, he fires his tiny little gun. And I'm not just saying that it's a tiny little <laughs> gun because he's a tiny little man with tiny little baby hands. Uh-huh. His gun was very small. And I'm not sure what kind of gun it was, but it was a very small, small, small gun for a small, small baby man. It's like a little, like a little derringer. Like, yeah, it's, it's had to have been something like that. So when he pulled the trigger, the gun misfired. <gasps> but Renee had her back turned. And she had no idea that he had just tried to shoot her. So he quickly puts the gun away. Renee leaves, and she's none the wiser to she, that fact that she was almost just murdered. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. This is horrifying. Yeah, so... She's probably like, what's that sound? He's like, nothing. Yeah. I don't Whoa. even... I don't... It must... It, she didn't question it because... It had to have clicked. Something. Yeah, I don't know. And at this point, Issei is hysterical. He finally gets the courage to pull the trigger after all this time, and the gun misfires. I don't know. It must have been a really shitty gun, too. I, I don't know what it was. But That's it. Story's over. He never tried to kill anyone again. <laughs> Bye, guys. Well, instead of being like, I don't know, maybe maybe this is a sign from the universe that you shouldn't kill someone and eat them. Yeah. Instead, he's now like, I need to do this. There's yeah. no other option. This needs to be done. He he crossed the threshold. That's why. Mm-hmm. He he attempted, he finally, I mean, figuratively and literally pulled the trigger on his little ritual. So in his mind, it's begun. Yeah. Like this is like it this we see this with serial killers and murderers all the time, dude. It takes that one little tumble mm-hmm. off of your like zenith to just you fall into this. Like you get the courage event. to finally do it and then you're like, Okay, I can do this. Yeah, he did. It wasn't scary to pull the gun. It was scary mm-hmm. that she didn't die. So now he's not scared to pull that trigger. Because mm-hmm. he already did it. Fuck, dude, that's so fucking scary. So Issei invited Renee over again. Two days later, on June 11th, 1981, he lied and he told her that his professor wanted some German poetry recorded and he needed her help translating. So she agrees to come over. Issei gave her the poetry and Renee sat down at his desk with her back towards him. Issei slowly crept up behind Renee with the gun in his hand, took a deep breath, held the gun to Renee's head, and once again pulled the trigger. And this time, it did not misfire. This is is tragic. Issei said she kept talking for a moment and then eventually collapsed on the desk and then slumped to the ground. Once again, not sure what kind of gun it was, but he says that it wasn't powerful enough to send the bullet through her skull. So the bullet just kept spinning around in her head mm-hmm. is how he describes it. So I don't know if there are any gun people out there who know more about that. I guess let us know what kind of gun you think it is. I don't, I'm not an expert on guns. So, According to him, though, Renee died instantly and didn't feel any pain. Uh, doesn't feel like that's a thing he, as her murderer, is qualified to say. You know? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, he did shoot her in the head, so that's got to hurt. Right. And then the bullet was bouncing around in her skull. 
killing her slowly until she actually died. Mm -hmm. And he's like, she was fine. She was fine. She could trust me. You can (laughs) trust me. After he realized what he had done, Issei faints. And then when he wakes up, he says at first he thought about calling an ambulance, but then he remembered his purpose. Wow. His sick ritual. This is fucked up, dude. It's We're not even getting to the part yet, so just prepare. Like he said earlier, the reason why he killed her was because he was small, ugly, and weak. And she was tall, beautiful, and healthy. And he thought that if he killed her and ate her, he would absorb some of her traits and her energy and not be so much of a fucking loser. Spoiler alert, that didn't happen. He was still a loser. Oh, yeah. Now he's also a loser and a fucking murderer. Yeah. That's, that's, wow. That's really interesting. Right. That he thought he would, what was, what did he think? He was going to grow three inches overnight? No, because he ate a woman. Yeah, I don't, I honestly don't know. That's really interesting. It's, It's upsetting. It's very upsetting. It's, that's baffling. Yeah. Okay. And this is where things get hard to listen to. So the next part is going to describe the cannibalism. That's when the cannibalism started. No, but really, if you want to tap out, now is the time. Like I said before, hold on to your butts. He laid a towel under Renee's head and then began undressing her dead body. Issei first raped Renee's dead corpse. After that, he tried to bite into her butt with his teeth. But that was difficult and hurt his jaw because his teeth weren't sharp enough. All right, I know this is a very serious, like, serious part here, but, like, yeah, dude, no shit. Right? Like, you can't even, like, bite in a raw steak. Like, try to bite a raw steak. Yeah. You well, can't. That's, like, and the protective layer of skin isn't even there, so. Yeah. So he decided to start with her butt because he said he thought it looked the most delicious. He then tried cutting into her with a fruit knife. That also was just not sharp enough. So he left his apartment, went to the store, and bought a carving knife. He's committed. He's very committed. That's for sure. When he first cut into her, he thought that he would immediately see red meat. But as we all know, butts have fat on them. So he had to cut through her fat first, which he describes as looking like corn. He has never seen corn before. Okay. (laughs) Fine. It also took a while, but he eventually hit the meat, and once he did, he said he says he tore off a chunk with his fingers and started eating it raw. That's really fucked up. The act of tearing it, ugh. tearing into yeah. Look, you know I think cannibals are fucking fascinating. Mm-hmm. The act of cutting into a person and then tearing it apart with your. It's I don't like even savage. like to like debone a chicken. No, I hate t- with touching raw chicken. Like, this is sad. Mm -hmm. This is really sad. While he was completing his ritual, quote unquote, quote unquote, Issei experienced a moment of loss for Renee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. While he was eating her dead body. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. I know it's super messed up, but he describes it as he was realizing in that moment that he had, in fact, lost a very good friend just now. And he even regretted killing her for a moment. Uh, 
That's also really interesting because like, it seems like no one fucking liked this guy. He was weird. He was no one fucking liked this guy. Yeah. And this beautiful woman was so kind to him mm-hmm. and like helped him with school and like was a genuine friend to him. And all he could think of was completing his fucked up little ritual. Yeah. So selfish. And just mm-hmm. took her life. So selfish. And then was like, oh, that sucks. Oh, man. Kind of wish I didn't do that. Who am I going to hang out with now? You know who would right. love this? Renee. <laughs> right. Like, that is super. Just, it. I think it kind of shows that, like, the delusion of, like. He's very delusional. He I, just, yeah, he's very delusional. He got so obsessed with this little ritual that he mm-hmm. didn't think past it. Mm-hmm. It's sad. He says that he wished he could have eat her. He could have eaten her living flesh. And he that he didn't. He wished that he didn't have to kill her. Because his main goal was not was to eat her, not to kill her, so he says. But he also claims that if he had known Renee a bit more, that he probably wouldn't have been able to kill her. Okay, so he's victim-blaming her. Even though they were friends and they hung out several times. Like, all the time. I guess, yeah, to him, she wasn't that great of a friend. I don't know, he switches and he changes his story, like, in almost every interview that I've seen him do. It's like, he's like, well... I didn't want to kill her because she was a friend. And now it's like, well, I wouldn't have killed her if I knew more about her. Like he he says, if if I knew about like her parents and her childhood, I probably wouldn't have killed her. He's moving the goalposts and he's victim blaming a woman he killed. Mm -hmm. Well, if she hadn't have come over and and washed her hands after we fucking ate hot pot, I would have done this. And also, if I had known her, but she just opened up to me more. Right. I wouldn't have killed her. I wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I wish I could eat her while she was alive. Uh, Yeah, brother, probably wouldn't have let you do that. So, like, (laughs) you know, just putting that out there. Yeah, I don't think anyone would. No, Um, probably not. Issei mostly ate Renee raw. First, he ate her butt. And his intention was to just, and quote, munch right through it. That's fucked up. Those are his words. But he said that human skin, the human skin was just too thick. And as he was trying to munch, it made his jaw sore. Oh, my little jaw hurts. <laughs> he then started to saw at Renee's body, putting his, quote, favorite parts in the fridge, like her thigh, and when I watched a documentary on this man, they interview him, and it, this is the Vice documentary. It's on YouTube. They show pictures of Renee's mutilated corpse. We will not be showing that. They just flash it right there, no warning, and it's probably one of the most brutal things I've ever seen in my life. You can Google it. I accidentally Don't, saw a I'm, picture of I'm going to tell you not to Google it. Don't Google it. It's fucked up. It's really fucked up. So in the picture... And this is what he took from her body. Her thighs are completely gone. Her entire vagina and uterus are gone. Parts of her her lower stomach. Her breasts are both cut off. Part of her lips look like they've been chewed on. And the tip of her nose is also cut off. So when I tell you don't look at this picture, don't look at this picture. No, it's... What a fucking freak. What a fucking sick asshole. This next part is... I I have to report it, though. I don't want to read it. He says he swallowed her clitoris and some pubes whole. He said that she was on her period and the smell was bad. Oh. Also probably because she was dead and rotting. Yeah. But yeah. 
Your body immediately, you know how like you have stomach acid? We talked about this in the anatomy episodes. Mm -hmm. Like your stomach acid digests food. The minute you die, you have a lot of organs that immediately start to eat themselves. I think it's called, I want to say autolys. It it Mm. immediately, your body immediately starts rotting. Yeah. That's why people like, like your bowels just like go. Yeah. Also, there's a chance that she wasn't on her period and she just had a uterine lining because women get those. (laughs) And then when you die, your body just releases all your fucking fluid. Yeah. So there was definitely like piss and also shit happening. And he just like ate around it. it. Yeah. I hate him. But he says that that was the moment that he felt sexual pleasure. During the the entire ordeal of killing her, raping her dead corpse, eating her, it was only when he swallowed her clitoris that he felt sexual pleasure. So it's also a control thing. Cool. He ate her breasts, her face, her thighs, her butt, her neck. He cooked some, ate some raw, stocked some in his refrigerator. And he also took pictures of Renee during each stage of him eating and mutilating so i don't know where those pictures are i didn't look them up but i'm sure they're somewhere i'm sure they're in some sort of evidence locker yeah it's like he's doing like a fucking tiktok before and after dude mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, i hate him he said that the meat was odorless and described it as not having that of a gamey animal smell he also said that he believes human meat is the tastiest of all meats And he kept Renee's decomposing body in his apartment for two days. And he just continued to eat her throughout those two days. You should not eat meat that's been left out for more than four hours. Mm. So that's a choice. Well, he said that as he continued to eat the meat, which uh, it feels disrespectful and gross to refer to it as that. Yes. But I'm a human being. I'm not sure how else to say it. I don't want to be like as he continued to eat Renee I don't know no way that I say it sounds good I I don't think that you're being disrespectful I think that you're saying it in the best possible way and I think it also helps us um as listeners to to kind of yeah like compartmentalize that we're talking about like a a a poor 25 year old human being that once had life until this man stripped that away right. from her. I just I just don't want anyone to think I'm being disrespectful by calling her meat or something because I'm not trying to be. It's just this is really heavy shit and it's hard. Okay. I think I think you're personally, I think you're fine. I think okay. it's less fucked up than to say her name over and over, right. to be honest. So when he continued to eat for the next two days, he said that the meat became sweeter and that it tasted better as the days went on. Yeah, because it was rotting. <sighs> You know, you know that like sickly sweet smell yeah. of like rotted meat. He also refrigerated some of it though. So I don't know if he's eat I don't know how he's doing this, but he's dry aging it. It's fucked up, dude. He described the meat on the soles of her feet as smelling bad and not tasting very good, which yeah, I can that makes sense, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of sweat glands going on there. He said the neck was the best and stated that the meat, quote, tastes more delicate as you move up the body especially above the torso he cut off her tongue and he chewed on it raw nope those are his words but he said the thighs are where he really feasted because those had the most meat and remember it was june in paris which apparently is the hottest month 
So he was afraid that the corpse would start to rot and smell. So he knew that he had to get rid of the rest of it immediately. Yeah, there's no air conditioning at this time. There's 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 barely air conditioning mm-hmm. now in Europe. So yeah. this is for sure happening. So he purchased two duffel bags and he began cutting up the rest of the body to fit into the bags so he could dispose of them, which he says was very difficult for him to do because the body was heavy, even in the pieces that he was cutting them into. This man weighs like 85 pounds. Mm -hmm. He's like literally like a he is like a child sized man. His apartment was close to Bois de Boulogne, which is a large foresty park in the middle of Paris. And his plan was to dump the body there. So he calls a cab to come pick him up. And the cab driver picks him up, picks up the bags, and even made a comment to him about how heavy they were. And Issei just told him that they were books. So the cab driver drops him off around 8 p.m. at night. And Issei said that he didn't realize how bright it would be at 8 p.m. on a summer evening. Uh, has he, where's he been the other right? summer evening? He's literally lived in Paris his entire time. I don't know what he's talking about. He says that he also didn't realize how many people would be in the park to witness his crime. Okay. Like I said, this man, there's no planning. He just does. This is like a, I don't know if you know what this park is. It's like the biggest, most beautiful park in Paris. Mm-hmm. There's like a greenhouse and like a giant. I lake. looked at, yeah, I looked up pictures of it. I've never yeah. been there, but I did look up pictures. It's it's like everyone goes there. Yeah. On a summer evening. <laughs> yes. With your family and shit. For sure. Right. And he's like, why are there so many people here? Uh, what? So he found a quiet place at the lake in the middle of the park and he pushed the bags into the lake. But it was daylight bright outside and there were people there were people around and everyone was staring at him because yeah. he's dumping duffel bags into a lake first of all he's walking through a park with duffel bags <laughs> that's gonna you're gonna look at it, it said that he had them so like it said one article said that he had them on a trolley because obviously they're heavy and he can't he couldn't carry them himself so he's pulling a wagon he's full like of a body trolley parts. full of yeah body parts and duffel bags and he's like, why is everyone staring at me? And yeah. they're like, little boy, are you lost? Where did happening? you get these bags? What are you doing? And he's like, mind your own yeah. business. But he didn't even, he didn't try to conceal himself at all. Like he just got scared and dumped them in the lake. And a man and a woman were sitting nearby the lake and they witnessed the entire thing. And obviously they felt like something was off. Yeah. For sure. He's also dumping the duffel bags in the wagon into the fucking pond. In front of people. Yeah. So after he does that, he said that he just looked into the sunset and was just thinking, hmm, how beautiful, how beautiful it was, the sunset, when all of a sudden he hears a scream and it pulls him back to reality. And he turns and he sees the man who was sitting near the lake had fished out the bags and had opened them and saw what was inside of them. That man was probably like, there's a body in that bag. Exactly. If you saw somebody doing that, that's 100% what everyone's mind would go to that. If I saw any single person in the entire world throw a duffel bag (laughs) into a lake at any time, my first thought would be, there's a body in that bag. Like, first of all, even if there's not a body in there, that's littering. Why wouldn't you just dump it in a dumpster somewhere? Right? Like he went, it almost seems like 
he went out of his way to try to like get caught. That's audacity. He didn't he didn't think he would get caught. He just simply didn't think of it. He simply just like he didn't think that he, he was care. losing his friend when yeah. he murdered her. Well, he, he his simply, one track mind was I need to cannibalize someone. Yes, and then his one track his other one track mind was I need to get rid of this. Mm-hmm. There was zero thought put into anything outside of I need to get this out of my house. Mm-hmm. Insane. Yeah. So the man opens the duffel bag and he finds the bloodied sheet immediately. And he knows what the, uh, what's inside. He doesn't have to look any further. So he screams and he points at Issei and he screams, murderer. And Issei is like, fuck. So he runs away. Issei runs away, runs back to his apartment. Nobody catches him. Four days later, however, the police come knocking at his door and he's arrested for murder. And he says that once he's arrested, he felt relieved. And when he is arrested, police find pieces of Renee's body still in his fridge. Yeah. um, The guy's like, I don't know who he was, but he was four foot nine and he was (laughs) Japanese. So, I mean, so it wasn't difficult to find Issei. And it wasn't just because of his build and the fact that he's Asian. Yeah. But so what they did is, I mean, they had this account of the people at the lake. So right. they described him as a small Asian man who had gotten out of a taxi cab. Okay. So the police started calling taxi firms, asking if any of their drivers had picked up a man matching this description, <laughs> carrying two very heavy duffel bags, and if they had driven him to the park. And they're like, oh, there were like seven of those this week. Hold on. <laughs> it only took them four days to narrow down the driver, and he showed them what apartment he picked up Issei from. And it was 10 Rue Erlinger, located in the affluent neighborhood, Atai, which is a French equivalent of Greenwich Village or Notting Hill. So it's a fancy-ass neighborhood. All right, so it's like a really nice place. His dad's paying for his rent. Yeah, so. this is so insane. This mm-hmm. is so just, they're like, it. <laughs> this reminds me of like, you can do this. You're so good at this. Mm-hmm. Well, I can be like, okay, so I met this person at a bar, blonde hair, oh, yeah. <laughs> human. And you're like, got it. Give me four minutes. <laughs> like on Facebook. This I'm like, them? This like, them? Yeah. You're like, their mom works here. Like, mm-hmm. what's happening? It's just like the cops were like, oh, small Asian man, duffel bags park. Yeah. It's him. There he is. The only one <laughs> in Paris. Yeah. And then, so. Insane. So Issei is interrogated by police, and he just admits to everything. He straight out admits, and quote, I killed her to eat her her flesh. Well, okay. Issei's wealthy father was able to afford a top lawyer for his defense. Ooh, I'm going to get mad, aren't I? Yeah. So he was held for two years in a French prison during for his pretrial. But he never actually made it to trial because a French judge named Jean-Louis Brugier deemed him legally insane and not fit to stand trial. Okay. So the judge is like, he can't, he, this can't be a trial. He clearly is fucking bonkers because he doesn't know what he just did right now. So during this pretrial, he's evaluated by three different type of psychiatrists. Okay. And they're all like, this man is crazy. Yeah. He's mentally insane. Yes. And so the judge is like, Unstable. Yeah, the judge is like, he can't, he's not fit to stand trial. Charges are dropped. Dropped. And Issei was ordered to be held indefinitely at Henry Collin Asylum for the criminally insane. Okay, that makes sense. 
Word got out about him, and his case became an international sensation. He was visited by a Japanese author who helped him write an autobiographical novel titled In the Fog, where he gave his complete account of the murder and told how he ate Renee. He, like, has no shame. Like, he's just like, yeah, this is what I did. Even in interviews, he's done several interviews. He's He does not care. And this book just gave him even more widespread attention. And in some sense, he was a celebrity. And he was given the title, The Kobe Cannibal. His book even made the bestseller list in Japan. Yeah, this makes perfect sense. This is like the sensationalism of true crime that mm-hmm. we experience now. Like during the whole Bundy thing where it's like, um, he was like super hot. And they get like Zac Efron to play him. They're like, <sighs> that made me so mad. Wait, <laughs> wait, I would help Bundy. No, you wouldn't. No, girl. come the fuck on. No, we're not doing this. We're not helping anyone. We're somebody not asking for help. Say no. We're not elevating the evil people. No. We're not doing this. Mm-mm. And it's I mean, at a time when this is just fucking starting like the sensationalism of true crime. And we've always mm-hmm. loved as a, as right. human beings, we've always been fascinated by this shit. Mm-hmm. But like this is a this is a heinous, fucked up crime. Mm-hmm. So obviously people are going to want to know. And right. he wrote the book. So, you know, firsthand account what happened. Uh-huh. Yeah. People are going to buy this fucking book. The French public, however, was outraged. As they should be. They bashed the French legal system and the decision to let a murderer who had committed such a heinous crime be spared a trial. The media disagreed with the mentally insane conclusion and reported the crime as a revenge killing by a spurned lover. Mm, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that either, but I don't think I I agree with the fact that he should have stood trial. He should have fucking gotten some sort of punishment for this. Mm-hmm. Like, for sure. I understand why they sent him to an asylum for the criminally insane. Yeah. I get that. That makes sense to me. Well, yeah. I mean, cannibalism isn't normal. It's not. No. It's, it's not normal. F- for sure not normal. But neither is killing a person. So. No. For sure. And I get, like, that he was, whatever, insane is what this amazing lawyer probably like bought the judge shots and shit so like they got off but just like to just like let him be a dude like like Mm -hmm. oh yeah you can have visitors oh yeah you can write a book oh yeah what do you want for dinner like you know like what what's going on here like why is this man getting so many liberties well he's still so he's in this insane asylum he's indefinitely he has to live this out right so he's technically i mean he's not allowed to be in public but he is he's not in jail he's doing interviews yeah He's doing interviews. Yeah. He's people are coming to visit him. He yeah, he murdered a woman and he knew he was yeah. doing it. And he didn't have to fucking face any yeah. repercussions for that, so, which is insane to me. You're going to get even more mad. The French people and most of the world thought that he should have been made to stand trial for his crimes, not be banished to a mental hospital to live out his life peacefully. And interestingly enough, Issei agreed with the public. Huh. He actually preferred prison to the asylum in which he was being housed. Really? Because, get this, he hated having to be around patients who he thought of as deranged. And he didn't feel as though he, 
a cannibal murderer fit in with the lot. Oh, so he was too good. Yeah. He was too good uh-huh. to be there. He was better than all the other yeah. people. He's like, I'd rather be in prison. No shit. Mm-hmm. This is audacity fucking tenfold, dude. This guy's crazy. Yeah. But he says that when he had written the book, he thought it would be like a therapeutic thing when he was locked away. But instead, it elevated him to a celebrity status, and it even made him seem more human to the public. Ah. Which, ugh. Disagree, but okay. Because remember, he was going for his PhD in English literature. Oh. He was a very smart man, and he had a way with words. He he knew how to write. He was well-written. Yeah. And people saw him as like... I mean, sort of like an elevated member of society in a way. People who read his book, they felt sorry for him. They got a glimpse into his mind. This poor, helpless, weak man. A student in a foreign place feeling left out and displaced by those around him. Oh, how do you think Renee felt or family felt? I mean, people were just fascinated with him and he turned into somewhat of an icon, which pissed the French public off. Even more. Understandable. And they also weren't very happy with the fact that their tax dollars were being wasted on keeping this cannibal murderer alive and housed and fed in this fancy little asylum that he was just getting to live in. But he wasn't happy there because Mm. he was around people that needed to be there. And if there's one thing we know about the French, it's do not fuck with their taxes or their retirement age because they will revolt and I just admire that so much about that. Dude, I love that shit. I love it so much. Like, I love it too. The price of grapes goes up, they're riding. <laughs> I, I fucking love Like no one's working. I love it. It's great. Honestly, we could take a page out of their book. I wish. Then in 1985, a popular French magazine called The Paris Match decided it would be a good idea to publish recently acquired pictures of Renee Hartfelt's dismembered corpse. Nope. A Not com- a good idea. Completely inappropriate and insensitive decision that led to the arrest of a journalist and the seizure of a quarter of a million copies of the magazine. Yeah, it makes sense. This is also what, like four years after this happens, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So this was the breaking point for the French government. They were getting complaints from all ends, and they finally came to the to the decision that Issei would be deported back to his home country of Japan and that they could figure out what they wanted to do with him there. They're like, we don't want him here. Interesting. Take him. Yeah. They deport him. Upon his arrival to Japan, Issei was immediately taken to Tumatsuzawa Hospital, where he was given his own wing and evaluated by psychologists. Eh. They found Issei to be mentally sane. (gasps) Oh! and stated that they believed his sexual perversion was the reason for committing the murder. I don't disagree with that. Not because he was crazy. He was sexually perverted. for sure. That makes perfect sense because he literally said that. Mm -hmm. So, But listen, since the charges against Issei were dropped in France, the court documents were sealed. And when Japanese authorities requested them, they were refused. What?! With because charges were dropped, <gasps> remember. So, with these documents refused, Japanese authorities were not in a position to legally detain Issei. No fucking shit. It was a legal loophole. 
the Japanese legal system had no right to legally pursue Issei. And after spending 15 months in a Japanese hospital, Issei Sagawa checked himself out of the hospital on August 12th 1986 as a free man this is fucked never to be charged for the crime ever again in total he was contained for just five years for his first first crimes i don't get it i don't understand how it happened either wow what a fucking crazy loophole so the murder and the cannibalism charges were dropped but they like they couldn't find anything else to pin on him well i mean if that's what he was being charged for Mutilation of a corpse. I don't know, dude. Something. Something. Maybe because all of that information was in the documents. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's But he wrote a fucking if I did it style book and was like, I wasn't even if I did it, it was I did it. And they can't use that? Like they couldn't I know. That's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. He was like, Yeah, I murdered this woman and this is exactly what I did verbatim. Mm -hmm. And it's just wow. And and has done several interviews since stating exactly what he did. But they couldn't. I don't know. That seems like I'm not a lawyer and I'm not familiar with the French and Japanese criminal system. So who knows? Man, that doesn't seem like that should be a thing. It seems insane that he got out. But through some legal loophole, I think at that point, France was like, we don't care. And Japan was like, we don't have anything. Yeah. Except for like this one book. And I guess. Right. I don't. Wow. I don't know. Crazy, right? So crazy. So Issei was released with no job and no money, but people knew him. Remember, he's a celebrity. Right. And they were still, everyone was just fascinated by his case. He accepted many invitations for interviews and guest speaking events. Like, he really leaned into his celebrity. It's disgusting. He leaned into his celebrity status. That's disgusting. And people gave him a platform yeah, that's why we're yeah, that's not good, man. He has written many books, around 20 or so. One in which he translated his psychiatric examination report, and it also includes pictures of Renee's corpse. How can her family not sue him? I don't know. Does this I don't know how the global legal system works. It's a book that he even admits shouldn't have been published, but that doesn't stop people from buying it, and he says People ask him to sign it all of the time. It's fucked. On the page with her her mutilated oh, corpse. My stomach just turned. Yeah, it's disgusting. And I feel like it should be illegal for him to profit off of this crime. But nonetheless, he does. That's <laughs> really crazy. So everything about the murder... It's disappointing. ...is downplayed. Even in the interviews, he refers to it as his incident. As if murdering someone, raping their dead corpse, dismembering and eating them is just an incident. You know, it's just a weird point in my 30s. Yeah, he's like, oh, I tripped and fell and this happened to happen. Basically, yeah. He tried to eat her with his teeth. Mm -hmm. Like, bite into her body. He consumed, like, half of her body. And he's like, oh, yeah, it was a little oopsie. Yeah. What, Mm -hmm. dude? He was contacted by a manga publisher who asked him to do a comic, which he did. Fucked. And yes, all of the images are perverted and fucked up, depicting murder and nudity. Don't like it. Mm-hmm. Cartoons. He cool. was given thousands of dollars to write articles for many publications in Japan. In the summer of 1989, he was also consulted by the media when they apprehended the serial killer 
Sutomu Miyazaki. So um, asking for his opinion on the case. So I have a. I, have I know a you've been wanting to do this for. A I while. don't think I'm going to do it, man. The story's too fucked up. It's more fucked up than this one. And I don't think I can bring myself to do it. Yeah. Well, he was consulted by the media and they like wrote an article starring him to say like what he thought about. Okay. That. Hannibal Lecter style. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. 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 There are several documentaries about him in which he appears and talks freely about his quote incident. Whoa, incident. But for a while after his release, he didn't have any money and he was just basically living off of his daddy's wealth. I know. Okay. Well, you know, if it's, I'm just going to put this out there. If any of my future children just decide to murder and eat someone, I'm not going to pay your rent. Mm. And his dad's like, no. sure, I guess. <laughs> right. In 1993, he met an old, an old German man who introduced him to many white girls because, you know, he was obsessed with Western women. <gasps> he met these two women named Rhonda and Talia. And he took them on several vacations, all of which he paid for. This is scary. So he's and just these these are just two that he mentioned. But he was taking he was actively going out with women like and paying for everything. Like he was kind of acting like a sugar daddy to a, a lot of women. Tall, beautiful Western, women. Tall, beautiful Western. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. And this was just OK. And no one was like, what if he eats me? Mm-hmm. Because no, they didn't know. Oh, some of them didn't know. So the both of these women were both tall and pretty and blonde and they they were using him for free vacations. I mean, it's life. Yeah. I mean, that's when it comes down to that's what was happening. He says he thinks they were lesbians because they never had sex with him, which I don't think that's why uh, a woman is a lesbian. <laughs> also going to say there's probably a lot of reasons, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's probably... But they were flirty with him because they wanted him to pay for everything. And he did. Yeah. He they he took them to Canada. He took them on a trip to India. And then just him and Rhonda went to Mexico and then Iceland, Iceland, because Talia's boyfriend was like, why are you hanging out with this guy? Yeah. Does some research, finds out who he really is. And he faxed her to stay away from him. He said a fax. Yes. It's 1993. Warning, colon. <laughs> you are hanging out with a cannibal. Three exclamation points. So, and this is super fucked up too. So she leaves. She leaves him because she's like, holy shit, this guy's a cannibal. But she promises him that she won't tell Rhonda. Okay. So she hates Rhonda. Which I guess she didn't because Rhonda continued to travel alone with him. All right. Thalia's, Thalia's not a girl's girl. No. Not great. He starred in several movies since his incident and even a porno. I don't like it. And the woman that he did a porno with wasn't told about his gruesome past until after they had had sex. Oh, no. And this part's on video, too. So after they have sex, they're videotaping him telling her about his past. And he shows her his book and basically just says what he's done. And this poor girl is sitting there. She's visibly shaken. She starts crying. But they apparently became friends after that. Trauma bond. (sighs) What else could he be? Think about it. Think about it, dude. He basically violates her because, like, she didn't consent to having sex with a cannibal, right? 
And then he shows her all this fucked up shit. She is ripped out, like, like fucking, fucking upset yeah. about this, which anyone should be. I'm upset about it just thinking about it. And then he's like, well, it's okay. And he immediately starts to comfort her. That's insane. That's like a trauma bond. So he forms a bond with this woman. Uh-huh. And then he actually credits her for changing his twisted desires towards women. Jesus Christ. So before that, he was like, well, I'd still eat Rhonda. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. But, okay, so even even though he says that, he credits her for changing his twisted desires. His perverted desires never really went away. He just learned how to live with them. And he even called himself a pervert. And he says, I believe I'm crazy. I'm a perverted, crazy, sick person. Like, he oh. knows this about himself. So he's just, like, leaning into it. He says... When he feels a cannibalistic urge come on, he suppresses it by masturbating. Nope, I don't like that. But also in this video, I think mm-hmm. he's 61 around the time, he also mentions that he can no longer masturbate because he can't get it up anymore. Right. So he expresses that he is afraid that he might do it again because he can't masturbate the cannibalism away. Uh, isn't that I don't and he's, he's in an interview saying this to a person and the person backs off slowly the person's like uh, I think my producer is calling me and the Japanese government's like sorry another way you know it's, that's fucking ugh. yeah when his parents died he moved into public housing and he went on welfare benefits I guess his dad didn't leave him anything I don't know that's interesting He complains about having to live as an infamous murderer and being a cannibal because he says it's horrible punishment to have to live that life. Oh, so poor. So we're supposed to feel bad for Mm -hmm. him. That's the theme here. If you didn't catch on, we feel bad for him. I don't at all. I feel bad for the woman he murdered. Yeah. And I feel bad for all the women that ever had sex with him and all the women he thought about murdering. And anyone that had to just be near him. Anyone that ever had to look him in the eye, I feel very bad for. Yeah, for sure. He's done several interviews where he just states that he still fantasizes about eating women. Just openly states it. That he thinks he wants to do it again before he dies. Like just one more time before I die. Just like a bucket list item? Yeah, just casual, (sighs) you know? He has said in an interview at the age of 72, and this is a quote. What I'm saying is I can't bear the thought of leaving this life without ever tasting that derriere that I saw this morning or her thighs. He continues, I want to eat them again while I'm alive so that I can at least be satisfied when I die. I think either sukiyaki or shabu shabu, which is lightly boiled thin slices of meat, is the best way to go in order to really savor the natural flavor of the meat. Uh, okay, so he's had uh, he's had forty years to think about now how he would prepare the next. Human yeah, he being. wants to do it again, uh, but he also wants people to stop thinking of him as a monster. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay, maybe stop talking about eating people, and we will. Well, I well, mean, everyone's always going to. You know what he says but, that the you know yeah. remember that book that he uh, made it was just illustrations of women. Yes. Extremely intimate fantasies of beautiful girls. Yes, this is the direct translation. He actually published that with the hopes that it would change people's minds about him. Now, super weird thing to do, dude. 
we still Super weird. think of you as a murderous cannibal. Sorry. Oh, great book. Remember that time you ate someone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great book. Right. Great book. Love that. Beautiful drawings. Great. Is this Grace Kelly? Mm. Fantastic. You must be straight. Um, <laughs> you must be straight. Remember that time you- um, Definitely not gay. You murdered and ate someone? Yeah. Did you forget about that? We didn't forget about that because of this book, but Because sure. I didn't forget about that? No. No one did. But thankfully, I am here to tell you that Issei Sagawa- will never get the chance to relive his fantasy because last year, actually, on November 24th, 2022, he died from complications of pneumonia at a hospital in Tokyo. And he was 73 years old. That's, dude, this, it's crazy. Batshit, right? It's batshit. It's crazy that he never like, actually got in trouble for this. I don't know how. I don't get it. I do not get it. There had to have been something that they could have done. Like, they say, like, oh, there wasn't. There wasn't. I feel like he could have done something. They could have done something. You know, you know what it feels like to me that they just didn't try hard enough? Yes. You know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to victim blame the like Japanese government yeah. on this one. I mean, the French government, too. They just kind of dropped him off at Japan's door and were like, we don't, we don't want him anymore. He's your problem. They ding dong ditched him. <laughs> they left him in a. They, they put him in a little basket and they sent him down the river. Down the river, <laughs> across the ocean across to Japan. The ocean, Japan. <laughs> it's basically what they did. And then Japan's like, he didn't commit a crime here. We don't. We get everything to charge. Which I still don't understand. Like, just because you committed a crime in another country, to, like that, another country can't charge you for that. I don't know. I don't understand international law. I also don't understand international law at all. I don't even understand our law, so. We're going to talk to our lawyer friend about this and see if he knows something. Yeah. Um, Because I didn't know that you could just, like, put a man, a little cannibal man into a basket, tie four helium <laughs> balloons to it, and just hope the fucking winds take him back to his homeland. Fucking up him away <laughs> to Japan. This wash is, your hands of this cannibal i don't like this this story was gross um cannibalism is so interesting and so fucking crazy i just can't i'm having a lot of trouble with the fact that there was no real conclusion to this he yeah. just got to like live a fucking playboy lifestyle after doing a heinous heinous crime to a sweet innocent woman that her family just had to watch him become famous right and I just, I don't like it. And I think the most insane part about it is that, so he, the crime that he committed was probably one of the craziest and most brutal crimes of anyone, like, I've ever heard of. Yes. And then he went on and he was free and he never did it again. Never again. That to me is the, is one of the craziest parts that he just never did it again. He wanted to. He wanted to, but he never did it. I wonder if it's because he realized that, like, he'll get in trouble. I don't, I, he's just lazy, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is because usually when people do that, like, I don't know, they can't stop. He just won and done it. I'm glad he did, but that's fucking crazy. Issei Sagawa, I hope you're rotting in whatever version of hell exists. <laughs> and- yeah, for sure. Sounds great. Um, well, if anyone has a cannibal story that they want to share with us, I guess send that in to coyunusualpod at gmail.com. Um, if you have any nice stories that will take our minds off of what we just fucking spoke about, 
also yeah, some I should have ended this with like a, that whole episode was a thorn and I didn't come up with a rose. There's no roses. <laughs> There's no roses today. Zero, the only rose. Sometimes life just gives you thorns. Sometimes <laughs> life gives you thorns. thorns. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> this is for sure what we've learned in this one. That's a hidden lyric. Also, another thing we've learned, um, don't be nice to people. Ever. Don't ever be nice to people. Don't be nice to anyone. Don't ever be nice to anyone because you don't know. You don't know what they're about. Just be mean. And if a child comes up to you, it might be a man who looks like a child, so just kick it anyways. Are you getting the orphaned? Because you might be. Don't get the orphaned. Don't get the orphaned. You heard it here. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, if you have anything you want to share to us, you can write to us at quiteunusualpod at gmail.com or you can always hit us up on the social means. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on the blue sky bullshit that I don't fucking know. I think we have codes. So if you want one, fucking DM me and I'll send you one. Um, we're on threads. I don't know what we're on. No, we're Just not. Shout, shout into the wind and maybe we'll hear <laughs> we'll you. show up at your door. Maybe. You never with a know. Pie. With a pie. <laughs> we also have a Patreon, so if you want to support us that way, it's just just search quite unusual podcast. We'll come right up. Yeah. And we have three new patrons to we welcome. Do. We do. We do a lot of fun stuff on Patreon. So hang out over there. We got some behind the scenes stuff. We got some uh I don't know, Patreon only content. We're gonna put out some Patreon only merch coming soon. Very excited about that. And to welcome our patrons, welcome Tom W. Welcome, Lucas R. And welcome, Melinda P. Welcome to the coven, sweet babies. Welcome. And as always, remember to celebrate the strange. And keep it unusual. Bye. Bye. And this is the part of the show where we give praise to the all-knowing leaders, supporters of the podcast, cult members, cult leaders, and all-around benevolent beings. To Tim M., who uses his beard clippings as a divination tool. I've heard of reading tea leaves, but this is ridiculous. And messy. Mm, so messy. Katie T., who can recite the satanic verses from memory. She can also recite every single one of Mariah Carey's lyrics by memory. I don't know which is more impressive. Mm, I think they're equal. Adam K. is so superstitious, he will only eat sunflower seeds and ice cream sundaes on Sunday. He's been doing it so long, he doesn't know why anymore. What could this superstition be? I have no clue. John S., who has an, the innate ability to speak to aliens. Weirdly, though, the aliens are always telling him to tell his friends to pull his finger. We shan't be taking you up on that offer, though. Thank you. Mm, thank you so much. Caitlin R. Already ate all of her Halloween candy. Me too, Caitlin. Me too. Me three. I ate some of yours also. Lexi C. Who can speak perfect Elvish, Klingon, and another language she claims is only spoken by the Anunnaki. Who's to say it isn't true? I don't know what they... I don't know. I mean, I couldn't tell her she's wrong. I can't. So. Jeff S. Found Bigfoot. It's not that hard if you know where Bigfoot's favorite dive bar is. He's always playing darts. He's literally right there. Oh, look at he's play, Oh, he's playing darts. Bullseye! There, oh, he's good at darts. Mm, very good. Amazing. 
Lenore M., who dressed up as a vampire for Halloween, but she also dresses like a vampire every night and sleeps in a coffin Hmm. and has to be invited into houses. Hmm. And one time she has to bite my neck. I'm starting to think Lenore might be a vampire. No, yeah, that sounds like a vampire to me. We should ask. Justin W. is allergic to Mothman feathers. Don't ask how he knows. He just is, okay? I believe him. Molly M. never leaves the house without her Chucky doll. No, it's not an emotional support stuffed animal. He is sentient, and he always pays when they go out. I would bring him with me, too. Honestly, if he's paying, bring him along. Steve S. doesn't use the word ghosts. He prefers to say uncorporeal beings of previous physical status. How very thoughtful of you, Steve. Very woke. And Tom W., our newest member, who made his fortune by selling carbonated holy water called Sin Drift. It's fizzy. And it keeps the demons at bay. And such a clever name. Thank you to all of our coven members on Patreon. Without you, we are nothing. We're less than nothing. We're less than the worms that eat the dirt, that shit out the dirt. We are less than the worm shit. We are... We are Wait, isn't dirt just worm shit? Though? Yeah, it's all worm shit. All of every, all, every... Every single piece of dirt. Every time you've ever seen dirt, a worm has previously shit that out. And we are... Less than that. Less. We are not worthy to even eat the worm shit on the ground. Not that we would want to. No, we, we, do, well, we don't want to, okay? We don't like it. But <laughs> we definitely don't like it, okay? If anyone's don't wondering. Even, don't ask. Don't ask if we like it. But we're not even worthy of it. We're that. not worthy of it. We're not worthy. Trying to say. You know, we're not. It feels like we people think we want to eat it, but we don't. We don't. We're, we're, just, not, we're just not worthy, okay? We're not, we're not worthy of any of this. 